Let's uh, first of all go to our intrepid COVID reporter, Piers Cunningham. We set him a task this last week. Have a look at the mathematical modelling behind the COVID lockdown. There's a couple of people in this world who are a little bit sceptical about why we've had to go to the extent we have. One of them is the esteemed scientist and statistician Ivor Cummings. Piers Cunningham is on the line to discuss this and other matters as well. A very good morning to you, Piers. Welcome back to Lockdown Radio. Good morning, Brendan. So what are we doing, Piers? We're having a look at the numbers. We're having a look at all sorts of numbers all over the place, and we're having a look at... uh, curve responses to this pandemic. Some believe that we've gone too far. Others say we're getting it right. Where should we be? It's a really tough question to answer. And there's a lot of conflicting information out there for people to sift through. You can look at the dhhs.vic.gov.au website, and it does show you the University of Melbourne modelling that's been used to you know, to craft the response that this, the Victorian government has come up with, which, as you say, plenty of people think is, is over the top and draconian and, and needs to be dealt with differently and that the symptoms and the other side effects of, of lockdown will actually outweigh the damage that the disease itself can cause. So those are the two polarised views and somewhere in the middle is the right answer. Now, getting to that right answer is not easy, to be perfectly honest with you. You mentioned... Ivor Cummins, uh, Dublin-based author, YouTuber, and a qualified chemical engineer. He's done a a rave on on YouTube. You actually forwarded me the link to that. He basically is a guy who thinks that we should have done nothing. He says that the Swedish example proves it. He he says that he doesn't think that masks are of any use. Now, I personally would take issue with that. That doesn't make sense to me. But he he is adamant, and he tries to prove it from, from statistics, from detailed use of statistics. He has been described by a critic as a deeply pseudoscientific person who, who is full of, quote, dangerous rubbish. So, you know, there is a backlash to what Ivor Cummins has suggested. He says a few things which are um, interesting. I mean, he describes the response as medieval science interventions, uh, you know, trying to use lockdowns, trying to use masks. Uh, he just says they're completely ineffective. He likens COVID to seasonal flu. Uh, He says that because one of the reasons why COVID is particularly bad in terms of death toll is because we had a mild uh, flu season in 2019 and that left a lot of people with, you know, lowered immune response to COVID. Now, again, these are are really scientific questions and and without really getting into the nitty-gritty, I think it's... It, it is hard to evaluate these. I, I, I am a bit sceptical. I think that Ivor Cummins is, a, is at that one extreme end of the debate. Uh, I think that possibly the, the, the Dan Andrews government in Victoria is at the other extreme. Somewhere in the middle is the right answer. So basically what he points out there, Cummins, does he not, is that there's a sort of an inverted bell curve, which basically he says is quite predictable, that 20% of the population are going to be vulnerable to any sort form of coronavirus. This is quite expected. And indeed, in terms of mortality rates, compared to other great pandemics of previous years, centuries even, and decades, what mm. is happening now is not that extreme, and it's all That's a little right. bit alarmist. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's right. That, he, he does say that. I think if you go into the detail of what he says, I think some of it is, is questionable. But overall, he says what you said. And, and he also notes that the second wave in Europe 
the death toll. The numbers are high, and they're alarmingly high. In fact, France, I believe, is going into uh, some kind of, of lockdown in the near future. Britain is toying with another lockdown again. These are disasters to have these things happen. And obviously, in Victoria, people who've suffered through Melbourneites like you and myself, or Melbournians, I should say, um, who've suffered through stage four lockdown for the last couple of months uh, are desperate to not have it happen again. And so, you know, this is where, this is where, you know, support, I guess, lies for the measures that the Victorian government are, are taking and that very slow moving out of stage four and very measured reduction of restriction because we don't want to have to go into lockdown again, say, early next year. You know, if we, if we come out of things to, in a too relaxed way, that is the risk. Ivor Cummins makes, he makes some interesting points. I mean, he says that one side effect of, of having that mild flu season in 2019, both in Australia and elsewhere in, in the world, in Europe and North America, uh, is that you had a lot of people who would have actually been, who would have died as a result of, of seasonal influenza in 2019 who, they, who didn't die. And it is people, as we've discussed before, it's the people with comorbidities, i.e. pre-existing uh, health issues that are most likely to die of COVID-19, and also older people with those pre-existing uh, uh, medical issues. Younger people who are, who are showing up in the numbers in Europe at the moment, um, are, 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 that's why the death rate's low, because so the numbers are high because younger people are saying, we've had enough, we're going out, we're going to enjoy summer, we're going to the beach, we're going to party, we're going to, we're going to uh, not social distance. And, um, and, of course, they are getting the disease and then they're spreading it around the community. Older people, I think, either they've been already taken out of the equation, to use a, a sort of a brutal turn of phrase, in the first wave of the, of the disease, or they're, they're self-isolating. They see the risk that they are confronted with and they're choosing to be more careful than younger people. And I'm fine with that. I think that that's an appropriate way for people to respond. And I don't think you need a nanny state to, to, uh, to enforce that. I mean, self-preservation is a pretty basic human instinct. It is indeed. And there's also the underlying assumption, particularly about um, you know, some of the measures that the Andrews government is thinking about introducing, that uh, they need to come at us with the big hammer and the big cosh, rather than, as you say, that we have the sense to look after ourselves. I mean, so basically, Cummins, of course, also celebrates the herd immunity notion that Sweden has gone through. But interestingly yeah. there as well, it looks like their numbers are beginning to rise a little bit as well. So I just wonder what the northern winter is going to do in terms of numbers. As you mentioned UK was travelling okay now all of a sudden Boris Johnson looking like he's going to have to activate he's shutting down the pubs from 10pm the Swedes are getting worried the French have got some serious numbers on their hands and 200,000 Americans have died in the last month or so uh, that 200,000 Americans is, is I think that's over the whole course of the pandemic correct correct correct, yeah. correct yes yes um, so, so look in Sweden um, I spoke to a transplant surgeon at Royal Melbourne Hospital by the name of Robert Miller, and I have got an interview with him. You can check our website, beyondinfinity.com.au, if you want to listen to that interview, where he talked about Sweden, as does um, Ivor Cummins in his YouTube spiel. So, so Sweden didn't shut down its business completely, but they did, they did exercise some caution. You know, they got the PPE out there, they, they got hand-washing into the equation, they, they recommended that people work from home if they could, but they didn't do anything like the business shutdown that a lot of countries have done. And Robert Miller said to me that, that in the final analysis, it actually looks like their death rate on a per capita basis is similar to other European countries that did shut down. Now, that's, 
again, that's something which you can... The, the people who are very staunchly saying, oh, we've just got to open up and don't worry about COVID, well, you know, they would be jumping on that. And a lot of them do quote Sweden as a, as a prime example of, of the benefits of not shutting your economy. But... I, again, I think that there's nuance and there's detail in that which really needs to be teased out. It's a complicated problem, and this is why I think governments do need, and Victorian government included, do need to be very open with people. They need to be good at communicating the science to justify draconian measures, but also just to explain. And, and I mean, I think that this is where the whole world's in the same boat. I don't think there really are clear answers to all this. It's a complex problem. It's interesting, and the approval rating, of course, of Dan Andrews is up around 60%. Two-thirds of Victorians think that he's doing a fine job, and he's being, I must say, a great communicator, whether in fact the ability to exercise and uh, distribute uh, good management of certain aspects of this is another question. I guess he'll be fronting a, an important uh, inquiry into that later on this afternoon. Yeah, Inter- we'll be watching closely on that. I was just going to mention, if, if time permits, Brendan, sure. fast, fast testing, is a re- until we have a vaccine... Fast testing is vital. Fast, reliable testing. And the faster, the better. Because if, And there have been a couple of tests. I thought I'd mention there's a, an Israeli invention that's recently got FDA approval in the States, emergency FDA fast-tracked approval. It's a PCA polymerase chain reaction test, which is considered the gold standard. It is the test that's, that's used in Australia. Bisbee Medical has come up with a palm-sized PCR test kit, um, which uh, supposedly offers a reliable result in 30 minutes. That could be a game changer because then you could go to the airport, then you could go to the office, have that test done and have a result given to you, have a coffee or do something, uh, you know, look at your phone or whatever, go for a walk and then come back and, and get given approval to, uh, to enter the building or get on a plane. Fast testing in the absence of a, of a, of a vaccine and, and the word that I've, and I think I've said this before on this segment, is, is that we could be waiting until the end of next year, 2021, for a reliable widely available vaccine. So fast testing is the, is the best thing that we can have in the interim to allow us to open up business and get on with our lives. Uh, there's another one that's been received, fast-tracked FDR approval in America is, is uh, Binax Now. That's a cheap mass-produced test, different to PCR, not as reliable. It's an antigen test. And, and I believe that there's an Australian inventor, entrepreneur, who's come up with a fast test as well, which, which is being looked at. So if people are looking for hope in, in coming out of COVID and coming out of lockdown, I, I believe that these, these fast testing options that do give that hope. We just need them to be reliable. Indeed, that is absolutely true. And I guess when you're out at the airport as well, you should uh, do what Star Pharma, the Australian pharmaceutical, says you should do. Get their nasal applicator, put the anti-COVID serum into the applicator, inhale it, and it's going to prevent you catching COVID-19. Just a little uh, detail there that we learnt the other day when we were speaking to Star Pharma, Piers. Piers Cunningham, our intrepid COVID reporter, not, of course, uh, to take anything away from the COVID reporter I have in the studio with me, but you're our special roundsman and we thank you very much indeed Piers Cunningham. By the way if you are interested and you do want to have a look at what uh, the and reference uh, the, the, the chap that uh, Piers has been speaking about Ivor, I-V-O-R Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S have a look at his exposition and his analysis of uh, lockdown figures. It's, it's an interesting and it's a thought provoking uh, piece to YouTube. 
Um, but as Piers says, you've got to be careful because it's certainly on one extreme, but nevertheless an intriguing and at times provoking piece of work as well. Piers. Yeah, and, and Brendan, just to, just to mention again, the dhhs.vic.gov.au has got the modelling which the government is using. Uh, that's mainly from the University of Melbourne. So that's another thing to look at as well as, uh, as the common stuff. And then we can all maybe come to our own conclusions about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And speaking mm. of uh, the Victorian government, uh, Daniel Andrews is into his uh, customary uh, press presser right as we speak. Piers, thank you so much indeed. We will set you another little task in the next couple of days and we'll invite you back to the RPPFM lockdown studios next Friday if we may. Thank you very much indeed for your hard work, Piers. Sounds good, Brendan. See you, Shivani. See you, Brendan. Adios. Thank you so much indeed. Piers Cunningham, a special report there for us on COVID-19 and uh, also the numbers that we use. Uh, yeah, the Beatles kicking us off here in RPPFM Lockdown Radio this Friday edition at 30 minutes past the 11 o'clock. Hello, everyone. Good to have your company. Let's get stuck into it. We've got a big day, Shivani was saying. Piers Cunningham, our intrepid COVID-19 reporter, is on the line. He's been talking to a couple of medicos, very concerned about the analysis that the government's using in determining how it should go about uh, treating and looking after us in our society as we come to terms with COVID-19. Good morning, Piers. What's the latest? Morning, Brendan. Yeah, I did a follow-up interview yesterday with uh, Geoffrey Wells. He's an honorary consulting urologist at Box Hill Hospital and he's the organiser of an open letter to Premier Dan Andrews uh, from the COVID Doctors Network. Uh, and uh, you can read that letter if you haven't caught up with that. It's at COVID Doctors Network. Com. So that was about a month ago. There's been no response at all from the government, even though 500 qualified medical, medical practitioners from within Melbourne and Victoria added their voices to the original 13 that, that wrote that letter. Jeffrey Wells reiterated his concern about the effects of lockdown on the community, uh, and he had various things to say about you know what's going on, and, and we're still in lockdown, and uh, the sort of path of getting out of lockdown actually has some pretty severe milestones that have to be passed, pretty tough milestones that have to be passed in the terms of very low case numbers of COVID to be able to advance to the next more relaxed step of lockdown. So, uh, you know, this, this idea of trying to achieve COVID normal, uh, which is the government's target, uh, where there's no new cases for 28 days, no active cases in Victoria, and no outbreaks of concern in other states or territories. Uh, according to Jeff Wells of COVID Doctors Network, that is actually an unrealistic and unworthy goal. Well, wow, that is put. You won't eradicate this virus. Look what happened in New Zealand. And also look at what's happening again in Sweden at the moment with some big numbers overnight now beginning to ravage uh, Stockholm as well. So the question is, Piers, where is the government getting this modelling from and how reliable is it? Well, I think that there's a, this, is, this is one of the big problems that uh, Geoffrey Wells uh, said yesterday that he, that he has with what the government's doing because... They have not been answered. This, you know, those, those doctors who are all qualified, who are just asking for a dialogue, asking to be heard, asking for their concerns to be listened to, asking for the figures that, you know, the increased instance of self-harm and suicide, the, the, uh, the depression, you know, kids as young as 12 being prescribed antidepressants because they haven't been allowed to go to school, because they haven't been allowed to see their friends or, or family re relations. You know, there's a big social toll and psychological toll which is flowing from this not to mention the fact that people are 
uh, you know, there's so much focus in the health system on COVID. Other very important diseases like cancer, like cardiac disease, which are, you know, perennial killers, unfortunately, uh, they, they are being neglected. And, and it is the prediction that we will see a surge in those cases uh, in, in coming months because of this neglect. So, Piers, where, where to from now? What, what are they proposing? What are these doctors saying should be the way forward? Well, I, I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples. They, they sort of said that, um, you know, it is misguided, completely misguided, and ignores uh, the science and medical data to say that outdoor exercise and nighttime curfews have any uh, relevance at all. Now, I know we've just recently got rid of the nighttime curfews, uh, which were never run by the police. It was claimed by the government that they were going to help the police uh, in the job that they were doing to enforce you know, so the, the five-kilometre rules and other uh, other uh, lockdown measures, uh, but the police were actually never consulted in, in imposing that curfew. So that was just something the government well, hearing, on their own. We're hearing that from the Supreme Court now as we speak. That's being um, quashed that the, there was any medical basis for the curfew. But what are they saying? How are they? What are these doctors saying about how we really should be tackling COVID? They're not saying that we don't do anything in the way of, uh, uh, you know, they, they're saying social distance, wash your hands, wear a mask indoors. Okay. Uh, according to Jeffrey Wells of the COVID Doctors Network, less benefit in using a mask outdoors. But obviously that depends on the circumstances. If you're in a big crowd outdoors, then you know, my, my, I'd, I'd be wearing a mask. I think that you have to... I suppose in the end, they're asking for common sense. They're asking for a, a measured and targeted approach to this virus. So... Uh, when you've got groups that are particularly uh, vulnerable, like healthcare workers, workers, people in elderly people in nursing homes, they need it. They need to be targeted with interventions, but not the whole community. And this oh, is where and there's this... a, there's a, there's, it's discriminatory, basically, to say that people who've got very little chance of dying from COVID, uh, younger people in particular, people under 50, uh, and and the chances go, uh, you know, just keep getting less and less the younger you are. Uh, all those people are being lumped together with the vulnerable. And yes. that's, that's just, it's firing a shotgun when you need actually you know, some surgical precision. Piers, there seems to be a, quite a distinct um, difference in approach from New South Wales to Victoria in terms of um, focusing on clusters, which is something that you seem to be saying. But before I ask you about that, um, how do these doctors, and there's so many of them, hundreds of doctors who are putting forward a submission which is contradictory to the government, so it seems, how does that sit with the Chief Health Officer, Brett Sutton? It, does he come into play here? How does that work? Surely they should be uh, liaising with Brett Sutton or liaising with the medical um, section of the government well, uh, to Brett, be putting Brett forward Sutton, their arguments. Yes, Brett Sutton was appointed by the government. So, you know, effectively he does answer to the government. I mean, it's claimed that he's independent, uh, but, uh, you know, really, if you're appointed by a uh, higher authority, in this case, Dan Andrews, um, then then you are... It's hard to be completely independent when you've been appointed by someone who can hire and fire you. Um, and and so the, the, the COVID Doctors Network are directing their... Uh, their correspondence and their efforts to to, uh, to make direct contact with the government to Dan Andrews. Uh, they're, they're, they're really going for the, the, you know, the sort of absolute leadership rather than someone who's been appointed uh, to deal with the, the uh, COVID crisis. Piers, the central issue seems to be here that 
decisions are being made on a political level that don't have any medical or scientific basis. And that's what we're seeing in the Supreme Court now. Isn't that the issue? Look, I think that's, that's part of it, yes. And, um, I mean, there's, look, the, the outdoor exercise, uh, you, you've got a much reduced chance of getting COVID if you're outside around other people. But, of course, if you can social distance, you can. We're lucky in Australia. We're not a high-density country. You know, we've got people... A lot of people have got backyards, not everyone. We've got open spaces. We've got lots of parks in Melbourne. Uh, so it is much easier. We've got a lot of natural advantages in Australia and in, and in Victoria. We're, we're geographically isolated from the rest of the, rest of the world. Uh, and, and our numbers are... are, are the, the, you know, the effect of the virus are very different here to most other countries in the world where the, where the figures are disturbingly high. Now, COVID, uh, COVID is making a bit of a comeback in Europe. According to Jeff Wells, the virus has actually mutated uh, to be less deadly but more virulent. In other words, so more easily uh, passed around, uh, more contagious, I should say. So, that would... so more, more easily passed around but, but not as deadly, and that's apparently because it's mutated. Indeed, indeed, Piers, and that's the information coming out of the science in India as well. They're seeing a slightly different variation of COVID-19 over there. It is more infectious, but not as deadly as you say. So where to from here then? I mean, how much leverage can this doctor's network put on the Premier and call him to task? Well, you know, Mark, the, the full interview I did with, with Jeff will be on our website, and uh, I, I'm happy for it to be podcast on Audible Bay, of course. Uh, and that'll be on our website the next few days, beyondinsydney.com.au. You can check that out for yourself. But he says that uh, that he is really very disappointed and very concerned about the lack of uh, any response to the voices of 500 qualified medical practitioners. It's not a radical thing that they're asking. They are asking for an, an open dialogue. They're asking for clarity in the information the government's basing its decisions on. Uh, they are asking for, for recognition of the side effects of prolonged lockdown on Melbournians, you know, on, on 12-year-olds being given antidepressants, on kids not being able to go to school. They do call for, the school, for schools to be opened up, not partially, completely. And not to mention uh, the billions of dollars that are being lost by businesses. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then, the, the, again, the social effects that flow from recession, from, from bankruptcies, from all those things, I mean, they have to be taken into account. And for them not to be, for those things, those reasonable matters to be completely ignored by the state government and, and, and Dan Andrews, our Premier, is, is disturbing, is, is, is very hard to understand and is really disturbing. Piers Cunningham, our special COVID-19 reporter. Piers, thank you very much indeed. I'm sure you will stay across the COVID Doctors Network. You will update us every Friday. You call in and update us on these important developments in our battle against COVID-19 and these extraordinary days deep in pandemic. We thank you for your time. Thank you for your research, Piers. We'll catch up with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening to From the Vault, the best of the Beyond Infinity radio show. For our complete back catalogue, head to beyondinfinity.com.au. You can also engage with us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPPFM on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter. 